All right. Hello, and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series and podcast. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We are pleased to have Joseph Brody, uh, Browdy, uh, president of the Center of Peace Communications in New York, join us to discuss whispers in Gaza, silence voices made audible. Mr. Browdy will speak for 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Joseph Browdy. Thank you, Stacey, and uh, thanks to you and your colleagues for the invitation. Um, Whispered in Gaza is a series of 25 videos in which uh, current residents of the Gaza Strip candidly describe their lives under the rule of Hamas. Uh, they're not altogether happy about it. They uh, describe Hamas as uh, something resembling an occupying force, corrupt, brutal, uh, that suppresses, suppresses free expression and free enterprise. Uh, and essentially makes their lives uh, miserable. They blame Hamas uh, quite clearly for starting wars it cannot win and hiding in bunkers to leave civilians to suffer the casualties. Um, we animated their voices uh, using video animation in order to protect their identities. Uh, and the series has begun to have rather a significant effect uh, both in the Middle East and in the West. It's been viewed 5 million times uh, on our platforms alone and probably several million more uh, through our the media outlets we partnered with to distribute it. Um, in this brief presentation, I'm going to tell you why and how we did this, um, what the outcomes have been thus far, uh, and what we feel we have learned, what the implications are about this uh, rather novel uh, initiative to change the public discussion in, around, and about Gaza. Why and how did we do this? Uh, Hamas has placed the people of Gaza under what you might describe as a communications blockade. Uh, no one in Gaza is allowed to publicly express the slightest opposition to Hamas. Journalists who take an interest in uh, the issue of internal dissent within Gaza, find themselves threatened and deported from the Strip. Uh, and as a result, Hamas uses this uh, brutal su suppression to maintain narrative dominance of the story of Gaza and broader Israeli-Palestinian issues across the Arab world through numerous uh, media outlets that it controls or influences and hundreds of Iran-backed uh, channels in Arabic that uh, play Hamas's tune. Uh, the result of this uh, is, of course, to stymie civil society in the Arab world generally by selling a rather extremist narrative about what the region should be. And with respect to Israel, uh, blocking people-to-people -people relations uh, both within countries at peace with Israel and in the broader region, because they're able to use the veneer of Gazan solidarity with Hamas to claim moral credibility in stigmatizing, isolating, ostracizing, and inciting against uh, anyone who dares uh, to call for human relations with Israel and its citizens. Meanwhile, in the West, this same information monopoly also projects the impression that Hamas and the people of Gaza are one, uh, 
that fuels the campaign to delegitimize Israel. And it also obscures a humane and sane discussion about the future of Gaza, because it fosters the impression that, uh, as I indicated, uh, Gaza and the Palestinians uh, of Hamas are one, uh, and uh, simply uh, creates an imbalanced debate about what is happening there and how to change it for the better. Now, um, meanwhile, absent from all of these conversations is what Gazans actually think. Um, and every, nearly every in opinion poll conducted by Palestinians and outsiders of what Gazans do think and believe indicates that uh, quite a few of them do not want to be ruled by Hamas, uh, that uh, they don't want uh, Hamas or others in the territory to launch rockets at Israel, not because of any fondness for Israel, but rather that because they know what uh, the ultimate result of that uh, is and what it triggers in uh, damage and destruction. Some of the many, in fact, Gazans feel that they want a different kind of relationship with Israel. Uh, some for pragmatic reasons, because they want to develop the strip, some for downright um, ideological reasons in envisioning a, a more uh, conciliatory relationship with the Jewish state. So we reasoned that if uh, it were somehow possible to break Hamas's information monopoly and grant a global platform for actual Gazans to say what they actually believe to the world, uh, then we could puncture Hamas narrative dominance within the region, embolden Gazans opposed to Hamas, and within the West, uh, bring balance to a conversation about and, and a debate about what is actually happening there um, and what it means that Hamas is actually the governing actor within the Strip. So we set out to do so. Over the course of 2022, we reached out uh, directly to dozens of current residents of the Gaza Strip. We offered them a platform to communicate with the outside world, committing not to show their faces or reveal their names. Uh, and we proceeded to uh, interview them on camera uh, and uh, obviously go through the many hours of footage it was riveting and harrowing testimony, often quite difficult uh, to, to engage on an emotional level. Um, and uh, what we saw was uh, material that needed to come out. Uh, in order to protect their anonymity, we actually hired a team of uh, animators, illustrators, and musicians to create um, digital animated videos based on their voices, technologically altered, uh, and um, to, to sort of rather uh, searingly reflect the stories that they tell. Before I go any further, I'd like to share with you an example of one of the 25 clips from Whispered in Gaza. Uh, admittedly, the uh, transmission via Zoom uh, isn't quite as good as we might want, uh, but I hope it'll give you a picture. I'm gonna have to open Keynote here, if you'll bear with me for one moment. And just one sec. Um, 
And here we go. Now, may I say that um, what you've just seen, as I indicated, not only reflects uh, what as many as a majority of Gazans believe and feel, and is exactly what you hear if you sit in a coffee shop in Gaza and talk frankly to someone. It is also the spirit of a desire for something different that brought a thousand brave young people to the streets of Gaza to demonstrate against Hamas in 2019, braving gunfire and prison. So this was a story that needed to be told. Having created the 25 clips, we translated them into a total of seven languages. We reached content media uh, sort of distribution partnerships with large media outlets in all of those languages, notably including Al Arabiya, uh, Saudi Arabia's flagship news outlet. And we released the clips over a three week period uh, beginning in mid January and running to mid February. Now the results of that, uh, what I'd like to tell you about next, as I mentioned before, uh, the material, uh, you might say it went viral. It reached uh, on our platforms alone, some 5 million people, uh, and then uh, several million more through our partners in media, as well as social media. 
And it triggered new discussions in the Arab world, where our largest audience lives, uh, on both sides of the Atlantic, uh, in Latin America, and also in Iran. We translate into Farsi as well. In Arab countries, uh, there were expressions of outrage uh, at these realities uh, that were for the first time exposed um, in, in an Arab setting. People in, took to social media to publicly express uh, a reevaluation, a rethinking uh, of the story of Hamas and Gaza that they had passively received for all these years. Um, we know that within Gaza, uh, where our largest audience was, uh, lives, uh, pr approximately 750,000 people watch these videos. Um, meanwhile, in the West, we saw uh, expressions of reevaluation of, of the polemics surrounding Hamas-Israel wars, a recognition of the fact that you can't really understand the reality of Gaza without grappling with Hamas as a governing actor. And we clearly posed a challenge to those who uh, regard themselves as pro-Palestinian to distinguish or to choose between being pro-Hamas or being supportive of the Palestinians who suffer under Hamas rule. We consider all that, of course, to, to have been uh, a positive development. And we were heartened on Thursday of last week when the Islamic, Islamic Fatwa Council, a trans-sectarian body of senior uh, Shiite, Sunni, and Sufi clerics headquartered in Iraq, issued the first ever fatwa, effectively declaring Hamas un-Islamic and illegitimate and calling on believing Muslims not to pray for it, join it, fund it, or fight with it. Um, so these outcomes in our minds uh, suggest several things. First of all, we should not regard Hamas narrative dominance, whether in the region or elsewhere, as a fait accompli that it's not possible to do anything about. Uh, although it is a David and Goliath situation, in which uh, Hamas controls a very powerful uh, machinery of propaganda, it is possible through out-of-the-box innovative approaches to puncture their narrative and to do so on a grand scale. Um, second point about it is that it is possible also to begin to change uh, the frenzied polemics about Gaza in the West and to pose a serious challenge to those who effectively, um, may I, would I, I should say, uh, channel Hamas propaganda uh, and use it, exploit it uh, to advance BDS and other narratives that delegitimize Israel with reckless disregard for the interests of Palestinian and others who live under reje rejectionist rule. So that is where the situation stands at the moment. It is an ongoing um, uh, project and um, we look forward to moving it forward further and building on it in the months ahead. Um, and I think I'll stop there and invite uh, you to uh, share your questions.
Very wonderful. Thank you so much. First question in is from Daniel Pipe saying, thank you for the great presentation. Uh, can you please tell us about the impact of the fatwa? So it is a significant development. Uh, it is unprecedented. And it's important that it was issued by some senior figures in the region. Uh, a grand ayatollah in the Iraqi uh, spiritual capital of Najaf, a, the Sunni Grand Mufti of the Iraqi province of uh, Wasit, and a venerated Sufi cleric in the Punjab region of Pakistan. Now, this is a, an independent body, not controlled by any state. However, the uh, Grand Mufti holds an official position within Iraq that is a part of the structure of the state. The Grand Ayatollah uh, commands a significant following among Shiite Muslims, and a delegation of the Islamic Fatwa Council uh, went in January to Mecca to meet with the head of the uh, Muslim World League, the Saudi Sunni Muslim World League, Muhammad al-Isa, uh, which is a significant uh, signal of um, appreciation uh, for what this council is trying to do. Now. Um, the attention to this fatwa has been massive and is uh, crescendoing within the region and, of course, far beyond. So the argumentation and reasoning, which um, I think uh, any scholar of Islamic law would deem to be airtight uh, for the case against Hamas, uh, is something that people are going to grapple with and challenge uh, government fatwa issuing bodies in Arab and Muslim countries to decide whether they will affirm it, reject it, or be silent. And in Islamic law, silence constitutes acquiescence. And in these countries in which um, uh, Sharia is a component of the legal system of the state, it becomes possible to introduce new kinds of challenges uh, to Hamas uh, uh, members and uh, um, uh, assets in, uh, in some of these countries. Uh, most importantly, it is a further uh, blow to Hamas legitimacy, um, which is at the end of the day, um, if there's ever going to be change within Gaza, uh, it's not going to come because Israelis are going to re-enter the territory, which plainly no one wants to do. And it has something to do with an internal process uh, in which uh, internal opposition to Hamas is empowered. Uh, so all of this is supportive of that uh, gradual change that so many would like to see. Um, and so we, we do believe that the impact of the, uh, the fatwa is significant and promising. Thank you so much. Uh, David S. Levine uh, comments, the government of Iran is financing Hamas. What good is the condemnation of Hamas by a Shia cleric when this is the case? So that's correct. So it is, I'll, be, I'll begin by saying that uh, the Farsi uh, subtitled version of Whispered in Gaza, which was carried by a prominent uh, Iranian opposition outlet, uh, earned the third largest audience for Whispered in Gaza after the Arab world first and English-speaking countries second. Um, and it was something that Iranian protesters 
through social media and Telegram and elsewhere were commenting on and saying, hey, we've been lied to for two decades. The money that our natural resources that were being spent uh, on supposedly on defending and empowering Palestinians were in fact an ideological exportation of the same uh, dictatorial extremist uh, governance that we too are suffering under. So there's a new kind of identification at, in, amid the spirit of change in Iran. And of course, uh, a grand ayatollah in the Shiite spiritual capital of Najaf, which rivals home for leadership of uh, Shiism globally, um, is a blow to Iranian government versions of Islam. Uh, so in that respect, uh, it is a significant challenge also to Iranian clerical hegemony. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Stephen Gerzoff asks, is this applicable to Judea and Samaria, West Bank? Uh, how do you get this uh, more widely distributed by the EU, uh, UK, US, and US Congress funding the pay to slay program? Well, if we were to, what I will say obviously is that um, in the West Bank, uh, Hamas has more than a foothold and uh, has won uh, a significant following for itself. Uh, one of the reasons why they've succeeded is that uh, the isolation of Gaza is so absolute that in the West Bank, many Palestinians too um, don't really know what it's like to live there. Um, and both whispered in Gaza and the subsequent outcomes in the public discussion and the religious discussion uh, is giving West Bankers also uh, an experience of that rule and, and, and causing them to think a little bit differently uh, about Hamas. And we feel that that too is to the good. We're heartened to see uh, Palestinian journalists uh, watching the videos, writing about them and, uh, and grappling with their implications. Thank you. An anonymous attendee says, talk is cheap. Why is it that all we see is terrorism aimed at Israel? You know, do you think we could see a journalistic uh, change in journalistic narrative uh, and, and see the damage that Hamas does to the Palestinian people? And if these efforts to overthrow Hamas uh, happen, would Israel join? Well, talk is deadly. Uh, incitement, uh, and incendiary discourse uh, is can be transformative uh, across the region. Seventy years of brainwashing uh, and indoctrination has poisoned the atmosphere for peacemaking. Created an environment in which diplomats can come to trust each other across borders and innovate solutions to seemingly intractable problems, but not be able to bring. Um, uh, their solutions to their population uh, because of the rejectionist dominance of the public discussion. So talk needs to change. And you do that in this day and age through digital approaches to reach young people, through social media and so on, as well as traditional approaches of engaging uh, legacy outlets, print, broadcast, and online alike. Uh, as well as institutions uh, of spiritual and moral authority. 
so you might say on the one hand, that's all a lot of talk, but on the other hand, discourse is a crucial component of political change, uh, which isn't going to happen through military intervention alone. Absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned the challenging the pro-Palestinian uh, people who claim to be pro-Palestinian to choose whether they're pro-Hamas or pro-Palestinian people. Uh, how can that be ap applicable to uh, college campuses? Uh, Judy Hirshon, as well as uh, Deborah Gleiser, ask on that. We uh, believe that uh, the message and the substance of Whispered in Gaza uh, poses a constructive challenge. Uh, as I indicated, to people who conflate support with Hamas for support and support for the Palestinians. Uh, and so we do hope that uh, students as well uh, will share this material on college campuses and elsewhere, um, and we'll do what we can to encourage that. Wonderful. Uh, Carrie Hillebrand asks, has a similar project been initiated to expose Hezbollah in Lebanon? To date, uh, no such project has been initiated. Uh, the Gaza project is the first of its kind. Um, it's, an, it's a new approach to giving a platform to silenced voices in the region. It does have implications for other uh, places where proxy militias dominate unwanted by the populations they rule. We're a small organization. We are uh, working to grow and uh, we do intend um, if we're able to, you know, grow our um, operations uh, to build on this model uh, in all kinds of different ways. Absolutely, and we hope you succeed at that. Uh, Lisa Bernard asks, have participants been outed by anyone and suffered any reprisals or might reprisals by Hamas be risky, be a risky recognition of the festering dissent and dissatisfaction? <laughs> There have been uh, no reprisals uh, to anyone. Um, and uh, we worked very hard to anonymize uh, their, the visages uh, and, the vo and alter the voices. Now, um, indeed, the fact that we had to do that and that these people could not uh, show their faces reflects the grim reality and the fear that Hamas has imposed on its population. There have been attempts, brave attempts, uh, to speak to the world through social media, through a rare Zoom discussion between Gazans and Israelis that was public in 2020. The organizers of that discussion were jailed uh, for months and eventually had to leave when they were finally let go. People who rear their heads on social media and identify themselves by name, uh, find themselves threatened, jailed, uh, their families as well, uh, and so on. And so we felt that there needed to be a different way uh, to get these voices to be heard and to do so safely. Absolutely. Uh, Carrie Hillebrand, again, sorry. Uh, if Hamas can be discredited, do you see any viable and palatable alternatives rising in Gaza? The question of alternative uh, leadership in Gaza is, of course, fraught. This is, uh, like other dictatorships, um, a, uh, a junta that has succeeded in mowing down uh, much opposition. 
And the kind of uh, Gaza that is envisioned by the young people who communicate uh, through this series is a civil society. Um, now, how you get there is undoubtedly gradual, complex. It requires courage within the Strip. It requires solidarity and support from all over the world. Um, and uh, uh, it, it is not something that can happen overnight. Um, but we felt that the first step was to embolden people within the Strip by showing them that their voices are being heard, that the world is listening, that there is sympathy and solidarity for these people. They didn't, you know, they've always felt that uh, nobody even knows uh, how they feel and, and what they really want. Um, so that's a first step. Um, and we accompany the series with a monograph that uh, you can read at peacecoms.org slash Gaza, in which some distinguished policy voices reflect on the message of these videos in forward-looking essays on what this says about potential new directions uh, for governance of the Strip. Thank you. And speaking of the world of listening, uh, Carl Yesi asks, has this series been pitched to the UN and the ICC? Um, I believe that some, I've heard certainly expressions of, um, of hope uh, that the UN and the ICC and other international bodies will also uh, grapple with the substance of these videos. Um, we certainly support uh, all efforts to promote the message and the content um, in any country, in any language, and in any body, uh, regardless of the politics or the views um, of that body. Uh, we feel that this is a, uh, a meaningful and important message. It transcends conventional political divides, uh, and people should should examine it and grapple with it. Thank you so much. And before we go, can you tell our viewers where we can find some more of your work and specifically, again, where we can find these videos? So our website is peacecoms, double S, uh, rather, double M.org. And the project page uh, for the Gaza series is peacecoms.org slash Gaza, where you'll find links to all the videos and research and documentation accompanying them, as well as the monograph and other interesting things. All right, thank you so much. Sorry, I tried to put that in chat, but ended up putting it just in the hosting panelists. All right, uh, well, thank you so much. We've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again, Mr. Browdy, for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Stace. Of course, for our Bye. viewers, please join us Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern for an update with Ashley Perry. For any Israeli viewers, uh, we did have our time change, so that'll be 9 p.m. Uh, thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you again.